we have been talking about uh, four prayers that we don't pray enough. And as I said the very first week, we tend to pray some prayers over and over again. Usually they have to do with asking God to bless us or to give us things or to make our lives easier or to make our lives healthier. And I don't mean to imply that God never wants to hear those prayers. I think he does. He is a good father who wants to help us when we need him. And as a father, I want to know when my kids are struggling. I want to bless them. I want to give them the help that they need whenever I can. And I think God wants to do that for us also. But I know that God also wants to transform our lives. He wants to give us significance. He wants to give us a depth of spiritual growth that comes from praying deeper prayers, maybe praying riskier prayers. And so far we have looked at the prayers, wow, and the prayer, change me, and then the simple prayer, thank you. And those prayers will lead us to a deeper relationship with Jesus. And this weekend we are finishing the series with another prayer that will revolutionize our spiritual life if we will begin to pray it consistently. The prayer is simply, use me use me. And maybe we struggle with this one because we have kind of a negative connotation that goes along with it. I mean, did anyone else have a dating relationship at some point in your life that ended badly and you looked back on it and you thought, well, that person was just using me. They were just using me. I mean, you might look back and say that they were using you to get closer to your friends, or they were using me to buy them Friday night meals, or it may have been a boss that was using you to do all of the work so that she or he looked good and got the credit and also got the promotion. And you might have some other specific ways that uh, someone has used you, and you might be embarrassed about it. You might be angry because of it, but usually you don't feel good when someone uses you. And that might even make you somewhat concerned about this message because you're thinking that we are just going to use this message to get you to volunteer to do more here at Impact. And honestly, when you pray, use me, God... God may point out a way that you can be used, that he wants to use you through the ministry of impact, but that isn't what this message is about. That's not what this message is about. This message is about all of us learning to have a consistent conversation with God where we say, God, I want you to use me. I invite you to use my gifts and my talents and my resources and my skills today. I invite you to use those things for the rest of my life to do whatever you want to do through me. Please use me. Please use me. And I promise if you sincerely pray that prayer consistently, you will have all kinds of stories to tell about how God has used your life. 
In the Bible, we see a great example of this prayer in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Let me describe a little of what's going on in Israel and uh, with God's people at the time. It's a time of turmoil for God's people. The kingdom of God has been divided into two, into the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And King Uzziah had ruled Israel, or had ruled Judah for 52 years. He had begun ruling when he was 16 years old, and he had done well. During his reign, he had successfully defended Judah against many attacks from many different armies, and he had developed a strong standing army, and he had rebuilt the nation's fortifications. He had reopened the Red Sea port uh, for his nation. He had promoted commerce, and things physically were, uh, at, uh, from a physical standpoint, were really great. The economy was strong, and the people felt safe. They felt protected. They felt powerful. But all of that was about to change because King Uzziah had just died. King Uzziah had just died. So God is needing someone who will let them let God use them. He's needing someone he can use in this situation. He needs someone to help his people trust in him again. Help his people to know him better and turn to him in this difficult time. And at this uh, experience in uh, Isaiah's life we can see some truths that we need to get out of the way before we talk about how to pray this use me prayer. The first is this, God is all-powerful. God is all-powerful. Look at verses 1 through 4 of Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a very high throne, his long robe filled the temple. Heavenly creatures of fire stood up above him. Each creature had six wings. It used two wings to cover its face, two wings to cover its feet, and two wings for flying. Each creature was calling to the other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, all-powerful. His glory fills the whole earth. Their calling caused the frame around the doors to shake as the temple filled with smoke. Now try to put yourself in Isaiah's shoes. People are fearful. Their king is dead. And just when the situation seems hopeless, the real king shows up. He shows up in all of his glory and Isaiah has an experience that most of us will not have until we get to heaven. He sees the Lord. He sees the Lord. And the Lord is sitting on a throne and he is huge. His robe fills the entire temple. And if you go with us to Israel next November you will see the area where the temple was and you will realize just how big that means he was. And there's heavenly creatures and they are declaring the Lord to be all-powerful. All-powerful. And the reason this is important is because when people think about asking God to use them, they begin to think about how weak they are. 
They begin to catalog all of the things that they don't know and all of the skills that they don't have. And they think, God can't use me because I don't know enough about the Bible. Or God can't use me because I'm too shy to speak in front of people. Or I don't know how to sing or play an instrument. But God is all powerful and he is able to use you with the skills and with the abilities you already have. He's able to use you. He may give you new skills. He may stretch your comfort zone. But God is all powerful. He can provide all you need to be used by him. The second truth we need to know is God has made us worthy to be used by him. He has made us worthy to be used by him. The concern Isaiah expresses after seeing the Lord is a concern that I have probably heard the most in 40 years as a pastor. Look at what it says in verses 5 through 7. I said, oh no, I will be destroyed. I am not pure And I live among people who are not pure, but I have seen the King, the Lord all-powerful. One of the heavenly creatures used a pair of tongs to take a hot coal from the altar. Then he flew to me with the hot coal in his hand, and the creature touched my mouth with the hot coal. And he said, look, your guilt is taken away. Because this hot coal has touched your lips, your sin is taken away. Now, when people begin to think about inviting God to use them, they start thinking about all of their sins and all of their failures. They start thinking about their unworthiness. They think about how impure they are. They think about how many times they have disobeyed or disappointed God. But if you have trusted Jesus to save you, God has made you worthy just like he made Isaiah worthy. Well, you probably didn't have some heavenly creature touch your lips with a hot coal to purify you. But when you trusted Jesus, you gave yourself to him completely and he washed your sins away. His blood covers your sins and the waters of baptism symbolize the cleansing of God in your life. And even though after our initial conversion, we still sin, the Bible is clear that when we confess our sins, he faithfully forgives. And he cleanses us from all of our impurity. So none of us who have trusted Jesus to save us can say we are too impure and sinful to be used by Jesus because Jesus has purified us. Lastly, God invites us to be part of his plan. He invites us to be part of his plan. After Isaiah is purified, God asks a question. Look at verse 8. Then I heard the Lord's voice saying, whom can I send? Who will go for us? So I said, here I am, send me. God has a plan. He had a plan for what needed to happen after the death of King Uzziah. And he wanted someone to step up to the plate. He wanted someone to make themselves available to be used by him. And notice God invited, but he didn't force. He invited, but he didn't force. The Lord said, 
Who can I send? Who will go for us? He didn't, he didn't force Isaiah. He just invited him to be used by God. And he waited for Isaiah to volunteer. And this is still God's practice today. He invites us to serve him, to be used by him, to make a difference for him. But he isn't going to force us. He's not going to force us. But make no mistake about it. Just as he did on that day with Isaiah... The Lord is inviting us to participate in the plan that he has for our world. He knows what he wants to have happen. He has a plan. And he is asking, whom can I send? Who will go for us? Who will be used by me? And he's waiting for us to put aside the insignificant things that we busy our daily lives with. He's waiting for people to say, here I am, send me. Please use me, Lord. And when you're brave enough to pray that use me prayer, you're volunteering. You're the one saying, here I am, use me. And this prayer can be prayed in a number of different ways. And so let me unpack four significant ways that you can pray this prayer and see your spiritual life absolutely revolutionized. The first is simply to pray, use me to be a light. Use me to be a light. And I connect this prayer with something Jesus said during what we have come to call the Sermon on the Mount. Look at what he said in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said, you are the light that gives light to the world. A city that is built on a hill cannot be hidden. And people don't hide a light under a bowl. They put it on a lampstand so that the light shines for all the people in the house. In the same way, you should be a light for other people. Live so that they will see the good things that you do and praise your Father in heaven. Have you realized that if you are a follower of Jesus, he has positioned you as a singular point of light for your world. He has positioned you as a light for your world. It's interesting that we're talking about this today since it was President Bush, the one that just passed away, that talked about Years ago, a thousand points of light. And when he talked about it, he was encouraging people to be difference makers in their world. To have thousands of people be points of light changing the world. But that was Jesus' idea first. While preaching, he was sitting on that hillside. And he pointed to a nearby city on a hill. And he said, you can see the lights of that city for miles around. And just like you can see the lights of that city, people should see you. You need to be a light for the people of your world. He says we should live our lives in such a way that people see the good things that we do and it causes them to focus not on us but on Jesus. It causes them to see him and to give him the glory. But to successfully pray this prayer, we need to stop compartmentalizing we need to stop compartmentalizing. I mean, we try to keep different parts of our life in different compartments. I mean, we have our spiritual life, and we have our family life, and 
We have our relationships and our work and our politics and our hobbies, and we want to keep them all kind of separate and stand alone. But here's the truth. God does not compartmentalize our lives. God does not compartmentalize our lives. From God's perspective, there are no spiritual versus non-spiritual components of our life. He makes no distinction. There's no secular division in your life or my life. You are a spiritual being. Therefore, everything you are involved with has spiritual overtones. He sees us holistically. And some early Christ followers believed that there was this division between the soul and the body. They were teaching that... um, You could uh, sin with your body. You could do whatever you wanted with your body and it would have no impact on your soul, on your spiritual side. And some people today are trying to do exactly the same thing. I mean, they want to claim to follow Jesus while holding out the option of doing whatever they want and participating in whatever kind of sin they want. But the Bible is clear, no such division exists. Paul told those early Christians that they were to glorify God with their body. And Jesus says we need to live our life and let our light shine in such a way that when others see what we do, they will notice Jesus in our actions. When Christ paid for my sin on the cross, when he paid for your sin on the cross, he paid for all of us for every part of us. He paid for me on the cross, body, soul, and spirit. There is no division. You are to be a light and glorify God through your actions wherever you are, at home, at work, at a party, behind the wheel of your car, or even at church. In other words, what you do at the office then is no more spiritual or no less spiritual than what you do at home or at church. So praying, use me to be a light, says to God, I want to live in such a way that when people look at me, it gives them a window to you. Use me to be a light. I want my life to be a spotlight helping people see Jesus. It's a great prayer to pray every day. Jesus Use me to be a light. Another great prayer is use me to answer a prayer. Use me to answer a prayer. Now, I'm guessing that you have prayed for people or prayed for situations, but have you ever allowed God to use you to answer someone's prayer? Just before we went to the airport to come home, we went to breakfast with our good friends Roger and Nancy, and Roger does something that I have also done. I just don't do it as often as he does. I don't do it often enough. But when the waitress came to take our order, he asked her name. She took our order. And then he said, you know what? In a few minutes, we're going to say a prayer here at the table for our meal. Is there anything we can pray for you about? Now, when I've done that, you can get some different responses. I've had waitresses go, no. I had one ask me to pray for her puppy. Um, I've had others say, no, not really, and then come back later and say, well, actually, there is something, you know. And it's a good thing to do, and whether they want you to pray for them or they don't, I mean, you don't 
lay hands on them and pray for them right there. You let them walk away and then you pray for them. But this waitress um, seemed very touched that Roger asked her that and she explained that her little boy's birthday was coming up on Friday and um, that her car had been broken into and that they had stolen gifts and other supplies for the party and um, she asked us to pray about it and so we did. We prayed about it but we all knew that God wanted us to do more. You see, he didn't just want us to pray, he wanted us to be used as an answer to prayer. And so our tips reflected our desire to be used as an answer to her prayers. Has it dawned on you that God may want to use you to be an answer to prayer? That he may want to use you to be the answer to someone's prayer. Look at what Galatians chapter 6 says. By helping each other with your troubles, you truly obey the law of Christ. It's when we help each other with our troubles that we truly obey Christ. Now, when you pray this prayer, it will cost you. When you pray this prayer, it will cost you time, and convenience and money but it will also give you something that is really fun it will be very rewarding as you get a front row seat to seeing someone's face as they realize that God is answering their prayer right then in that moment through you through you let's unpack another way to pray this prayer we can pray use me to reach someone if you are a follower of Jesus, he is urging you and inviting you to help someone who is far from God take steps to be right with him and close to him. And this is the job, not just of pastors, not just of leaders, but of everyone who is a follower of Christ. Look at this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For God was in Christ restoring the world to himself, no longer counting men's sins against them, but blotting them out. This is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is using us to speak to you. We beg you as though Christ himself were pleading with you. Receive the love he offers you. Be reconciled to God. Think about it. God wants to use you to reach someone. Let me put it in another way. There is someone out there who might not be reached for Jesus unless you pray this prayer. They might not be reached unless you pray, Lord, use me to reach someone. And the consequences of them not being reached are devastating and eternal. Now, I know some of you are really, really shy. And some of you are scared to death and you just don't know what to say and you're worried that you'll say the wrong thing and scar somebody for life. Can I just remind you, God is all-powerful. God is all-powerful. He will help you. And you just make that a part of your prayer. You say, God, I'm scared to death. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to say. But use me to reach someone. 
Let me make this practical for you today. Uh, take out of your bulletin these two things. Okay? First thing that I want you to look at is this prayer card. It says, each one reach one. And it says, list up to three people in your line of sight who could use some hope this season. We want you to think about three people in your life who are really struggling or three people in your life that are far from God. Maybe they used to go to church, but uh, they got mad at the church for some reason and now they don't. Or they used to go to church, but now they're busy. Or they have never set foot in a church in, before in their whole life. And just list their names. You can just give us first names. You don't even have to give us last names. And I want you to write those names on this card. And then I want you to write them somewhere in your notes. And here's what we're going to do with these cards in a few minutes when we come to the tables that are here up front and around the room to partake of communion we just want you to take this card and we want you with those names on it to put those cards in one of the boxes and our staff and our elders will pray for all of the names that we receive we will pray that God uses all of us to reach the names that people put on these cards. Now, if everyone who attends our services this weekend gives us three names, we will be praying for somewhere between 14 and 1,600 people. And it will be fun to watch God answer our prayers. Now, here's the second part. You are holding in your hand a ticket for our Christmas Eve services. And uh, you can use these tickets. By the way, they're free. And we're going to let people into our Christmas Eve services, whether they have a ticket or not. But you can take this ticket and you can get more. There's a whole stack of them at the source and take as many as you need. And here's what we want you to do. We want you to pray that God gives you an opportunity to invite to our Christmas Eve services those people whose names you just put on the card or some other people that are in your line of sight. And uh, all you have to do is uh, say this. It's not hard to say to people, you know what? I picked up extra tickets to our Christmas Eve services, so I'd love to have you go with me. Why don't you go with me? And if they say, huh, you know what? I don't think I can go either of those days, not the 23rd or the 24th, because we're going to grandma's house, then say this. Hey, that's okay, but I'd love for you to come to my church any weekend you want to come and kind of tell me what you think about our church. Come to our church and kind of evaluate what you see, what you like, what you don't like. Come to my church and uh, you come any weekend and I will buy you coffee at the cafe. And it's just that easy. You can invite somebody and God can use you to reach someone. And I know it's scary to pray Lord, use me to reach someone, but there is someone in your life, someone in your line of sight, somebody who you see on a consistent basis who needs Jesus and God is inviting you to be used in their life. One last prayer, and it's the most dangerous. Use me in a radical way. Use me in a radical way. One day, Jesus looked up, I think he was tired, I think he had uh, been doing a lot, and he was tired, but he looked up one day and he saw this crowd of people coming towards him. He saw this crowd of people coming towards them, and some of them wanted to hear him teach, and some of them may have wanted to argue with him, and some of them may have wanted to see him do some miracle. Some of them were probably coming to be healed by him. 
But look at what happened when he saw them coming from Matthew chapter 9. When he saw the crowds, he felt sorry for them because they were hurting and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus said to his followers, there are many people to harvest, but only a few workers to help harvest them. Pray to the Lord who owns the harvest that he will send more workers to gather his harvest. He saw the crowd and he felt compassion. I got to think that he choked up because when he saw them, they were helpless. They were hurting. They were like sheep who were lost, who were without a shepherd. And he said to his followers, there's so much to do. There are so many people who need hope. There are so many people who need help. There are so many people who need guidance, but there's just not enough people to serve them and to guide them. And then Jesus gave us, as his followers, a prayer request. He said, here's something I want you to pray about. He said, pray to the Lord that he will send more workers to harvest these souls who need help, to harvest these souls that need guidance. Jesus gave us a prayer request. Surely we should pray the prayer that Jesus asked us to pray. And we still live in a world where there are crowds of people who are hurting, where there are crowds of people who are helpless. There are so many who are wandering aimlessly like sheep with no shepherd. And Jesus invites us to pray that God will send more workers, more people to lead, more people to guide, more people to help and to give hope. Now if you pray this prayer, if you pray that God will send more workers, be ready. Because when you pray... Lord, please send more workers into the harvest to help these people. Don't be surprised if you sense him saying, what about you? How about you? Will you be one of those workers? Will you let me use you to give guidance to those who wander like sheep? Will you let me use you to help the helpless? Will you let me use you in a radical way? Now I'm guessing that there are perhaps a few people in this room who just sat up who are paying maybe a little closer attention because you have had a sense for a long time that God is wanting to use you in some big way. I mean you're feeling his tap on your shoulder inviting you to change the direction of your life, to abandon your previous plans and to do something crazy for him. And if you feel that way, you need to be praying, God, use me in a radical way. Let me give you a few ideas of what that might mean. God may want to use you in vocational ministry. Yeah, he may want you to be a pastor or a missionary here or around the world, or he may want you to work full-time with some group or organization that's seeking to fulfill a part of God's vision. And most of us in vocational ministry felt that tap on our shoulder. We heard that call of God at some point. For me, it was when I was 14 years old. 
I was at a summer camp in Southern California and I just uh, felt like God said to me, I want to use you. And most of our staff here are people who never thought that they would change careers and start serving as a pastor or a director, but that's what God asked them to do. And I'm really concerned, I really am, because I'm reading that only one in seven pastors and missionaries from the United States are under 40 years old. The majority of our pastors and our missionaries uh, from the United States are nearing retirement age, and we need workers who will become ready to lead churches and ministries and to be shepherds to those who are hurting to be shepherds to those who are helpless. And God may be calling you to do that. And if you think he might be, please come talk to me after the service. I'll be out on our turf field over on this side. And, or you can email me. My email is there on your bulletin. God may be nudging some of you to change careers and to serve him full time. God may also want to use you in your retirement years. He may want to use you in your retirement years. Here's what I've noticed People are retiring about the same age, but they're living longer and they're staying healthier. And maybe you're approaching retirement. Can I just tell you, God is not calling you to sit in a rocking chair. He's not calling you to watch the law and order marathons every day. He is not calling you even to sit on a beach somewhere. He wants to use you in a significant way. And I know retired people who have caught this vision. I know retired people who have volunteered as free staff members for their church. I know a couple that when they retired, that people thought they were crazy, but they said they were going to spend six months every year serving somewhere. And so they went to a mission field in Africa one year while the missionaries were back in the United States and they served there and he helped to repair vehicles and she helped to organize the office and just kind of keep things running. And then I think it was the next year, they went about 200 miles away from their house and they helped a pastor who was starting a new church uh, as it was beginning and they did something like that every year and maybe it's time for some of you to start praying God how do you want to use my retirement years how do you want to use my retirement years and then lastly God may want to use you in an unusual way now, now I just threw this in here and um I threw it in here because sometimes God gives people visions for what he wants them to do and no one else thinks it makes any sense whatsoever. I read many years ago about a lady who kept thinking that God wanted to use her and her dog to serve him. Her dog was trained and did all these tricks and she just thought God wanted to use her and her dog. And it was kind of a weird thing and she thought that she was crazy. But then she decided, oh, okay, I'm going to explore this. So she started a, a team called um, Pets Are Willing Servants or PAWS for short. And people made fun of her. They laughed at her. But do you know who didn't? The people in the hospitals and the care centers and the retirement homes who had as the highlight of their day a team of people and their dogs who came to entertain them and to give them joy. 
what ministry is it that God is asking you to do that you just think might just be too weird to consider, too unusual to think about? Talk to us about it. God may be starting a new thing that will help many people. Well, we're almost out of time, but I don't want to end without making sure you understand something. This prayer is not a casual prayer. This isn't something that you pray without a lot of thought because use me is really a prayer of submission. It's a prayer of total submission. You are saying to God, I will do whatever you ask me to do. I will change my schedule. I will adjust my finances. I'll take risks and make sacrifices because I am submitting all of me to all of what you want for me. I am submitting all of me to all of what you want for me. But if you're like me, you just can't ignore the Lord's question. Hear him again. Then I heard the Lord's voice saying, Whom can I send? Who will go for us? And I'm hoping your answer is, so I said, Here I am. Send me. Use me. And I promise you, I promise you if you will pray this prayer, Lord, use me, it will absolutely revolutionize your spiritual life. It will revolutionize your family life. And you will find more significance and satisfaction than you have ever known before. We want you to spend a little time reflecting on this as we move into our communion time. I hope you'll spend just a little bit of time praying one of these prayers or maybe all of these prayers, asking God to use you. And then when you're ready, we just want you to come to one of the four tables around the room. And we want you to participate in the Lord's Supper. Remember the price that Jesus paid to rescue you and how he purchased all of you, body, soul, and spirit, when he died on that cross. He doesn't compartmentalize. And so commit yourself fully to him as you celebrate his love for you as you partake. And if you're just physically not able to come to a table or you'd just rather not, all you have to do is raise your hand and somebody will come and serve you right where you're seated. But when you come to the table, when you partake, then afterwards, would you just take this each one reach one card and prayerfully insert it in the box that's on the table so that we can pray for you and pray with you for those names that are close to your heart. And at the same time, you can put your Connect card in that box that you filled out. And on that Connect card, you may just want to write, I want to be used in a radical way, and we'll contact you. And if you are giving some way other than online or through the uh, kiosk and you brought an offering with you today, you can just put your offering in one of those boxes too. But we really want this to be a time for you. So after you partake, after you uh, put this card in the box, just return to your seat and quietly reflect on the fact that God is inviting you 
to be used by him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, forgive us for the times when it has appeared that we have wanted to use you. That we have wanted to make you kind of our vending machine to fix everything in our life or to get what we want. And Father, today we just want to humbly thank you for not just loving us and not just saving us, but allowing us the significance of being partners with you and what you're doing. And so, Father, right now, we hear you calling. We hear you saying, who will go for me? Who can we send? And, Father, throughout this room, we are just being challenged to say, here I am. Send me. Use me. Father, as we remember your love through the Lord's Supper, as we reflect on your commitment to us, may this be a defining moment as we commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.